If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab one. If you can't find one, you can grab one from the Gideon or uh, the pew or the seat in front of you. Um, and again, if you don't own a Bible, uh, that's yours. So take it home with you. It's our gift for you because, again, we, we're going to talk about this in our message this morning, but we want every person to be in the Word of God. And so we want that to be in your hands. So Joshua is found in the Old Testament. It's the sixth, sixth book of the Bible. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then you have Joshua. And uh, yes, if you're asking, I was named after this book of the Bible. And so I'm slightly partial to it. Um, but in our text this morning, we're going to, to read about uh, the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And see, Moses has passed away. Um, and this time that um, the nation of Israel is going to finally enter into the promised land, something they've been promised for generations to generations. And so Moses, when he was leading the nation of Israel, he was God's chosen person to lead them. And he led them for over 40 years, which that itself is amazing, to have one person lead for over 40 years. And for those of you who are new to church or have not seen the great Charlton Heston movie, The Ten Commandments, let me give you a little background uh, of what Moses accomplished, and God, better yet said, that God accomplished through Moses. So Moses, being a Hebrew, um, actually was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And see, then he fled the country only to come back as God's vessel to free God's people, the Israelites. And so Moses went toe-to-toe with Pharaoh, saying, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. He actually says this ten different times because Pharaoh kept on saying no. Um, And so there was ten plagues as a consequence of Pharaoh not letting God's people go. First being the Nile being turned into blood. And then the country was taken over by Pharaoh. Frogs and gnats and then flies. All the livestock dies. Boils came onto the people. Hail with fire, which would have been awesome, to be, terrible to be a part of, but awesome to see. Um, there were locusts, then darkness came across. And then finally the last plague that helped relent Pharaoh's heart was the death of all firstborn children. And so Moses then, as conquer, you know, conquering the Egyptians of overcoming Pharaoh, led them out victoriously out of Egypt. And then they come to the Red Sea. Again, with Pharaoh's army coming up behind them, they come to the Red Sea, and through the power of God, Moses parts the Red Sea. And the entire nation of Israel walks across on dry land to be saved and rescued from the Egyptian army. Then he led them through the wilderness for 40 years. During this time, even as a consequence of having to wander for 40 years, God still provided quail and manna for them each and every day to eat. See, Moses also saw the very presence of God and lived. See, he was not only given the Ten Commandments, like that I like to call the Big Ten, but the laws of God, all, every single one of them, that he gave and shared with the nation and with us today. And when the nation of Israel was not faithful to God, only by God's grace and command, that Moses remained faithful to the nation of Israel and leading them. See, Moses was and still is revered as a great, incredible leader. And now we have Joshua, uh, who has been one of Moses' most faithful friends and assistants. And God has ordained Joshua now to be the next leader of the Lord's people. And now to say that Joshua has big shoes to fill is an understatement. Yeah, I, I would not want to be in Joshua's shoes. You know, to, to have to follow behind Moses, who... God did so many miraculous things through him 
then we have Joshua, who's been hanging around the whole time, seeing this. Um, it's big, huge to f- shoes to fill. And just like the nation of Israel are t- in our text, we're beginning a new season of leadership with Pastor Chad preaching his very first sermon as our lead pastor next Sunday. And so like any other groups of people, our church has experienced the good and bad times. And at nearly 51 years of ministry, First Southern still remains a church in the heart of Scottsdale with endless opportunities to share and proclaim the gospel to our community. So these are exciting times for our church. Um, I cannot wait to see what God has in store for us here in the upcoming months and years. And my task this morning is to lead us to God's word and for us to learn from the history of Israel while being reminded of God's faithfulness to his people and our call to be strong and courageous. So picking up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, uh, you and all this people, and in the land I am giving them, so the people of, to the people of Israel, every place that your soul of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you shall be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Will you pray with me? Fathers, we dive into your text and your word this morning. Lord, I just pray, praise you for your faithfulness. Father, so often we are struggling with our faith, but Father, you still remain faithful. So God, I praise you for the continuing of leading our church. Lord, thank you for, for leading the, the next man to, to be a lead pastor. Father, we just ask that dinner, during this time as we, we study your word, that you will open our minds and our hearts this morning to the truths of your word and allow these words to be yours and not mine. I ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you know your Old Testament or read through the book of Joshua, uh, it doesn't take long to realize uh, that Joshua's ministry and Moses' ministry looked very different. See, Joshua and Israel experienced great success and favor from the Lord as they entered into the promised land. And even though they they faced extremely strong armies, they were victorious in all of them but one. And that one was only when they were disobedient and then they came back and beat the guys in the next battle. And so extremely victorious and blessed by God. But it's not Joshua who led much differently than Moses. And even had the same promises that, uh, from God as Moses did. But the difference that we see between 
Joseph's ministry, or Joseph, Joshua's ministry, too many J's. Joshua's ministry and Moses' ministry is the focus of the people. See, the focus of the people with Moses was on their circumstances, on themselves, and on Moses. But with Joshua, their focus was on God. See, they looked at God and they fully were obedient to him. And see, they were obedient people towards honoring and glorifying God in all that they did. See, their success was not based on one man or a leader, but the heart of the people. See, with Moses, the people were reminded often of all the miraculous things that God had done through them. And they had seen firsthand all of this. Like this wasn't a group of people who were told the stories. They weren't a group of people who, who read about them um, and, and heard about it from far distant land. No, they w- literally walked on dry land through the Red Sea. They marched out of slavery free from Egypt. Yet, in all this, they are a nation known for consistently whining and complaining and disobeying God. So here's a few examples. So they go to the Red Sea. They're standing in front of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is closing in on them. And they're there, and, and even though after all they saw and see and experience, what do they do? They look to Moses and say, hey, this was a bad idea. We, we told you this wasn't going to work. And I only can imagine what went through their minds and their heads as Moses gets there and following God's command, parts the Red Sea. Do they look at Moses as they're walking by and say, my bad, we, we, just kidding. You're right, you got it. We're going we're to trust you this time. But they didn't stop there. They continued to complain and whine. See, Moses left them and went to Mount Sinai. See, they saw God's presence up there, and they knew God was there bringing his presence onto this mountain because thunder and lightning and even an earthquake was taking over this entire mountain. And so Moses left them to go be in the presence of God. And while they're there, he was gone for 40 years days. And this is what people say. Who knows what happened to Moses? He's been gone a long time. He's probably dead. So how about this? Let's make our own gods and we'll follow them. Which I just can't possibly imagine. Like, here's the bottom line. If you have to make your god, he's not God. Like, if, really? If you have to take jewelry off your neck to melt gold down and form a calf to be a god, which, like, if you're going to make a god, make it pretty cooler than a calf. Like, come on. But seriously, God's not, God cannot be made. But they fell into this because they looked again on their own circumstances and their own things of what they want. And they complained on and on again about being the wilderness. So much so that God sent fiery serpents to punish them. And I don't know about you, I'm not a snake guy. I'm just any good, only dead snakes are good snakes, just saying. Um, so fiery serpents doesn't sound like a good time to me. And it's amazing that even with that, God allowed them to be healed by setting a serpent um, statue up on a pole where they had to look up to the serpent, looking up towards God, towards the heavens, to be healed. And it's no coincidence that that same symbol, that same serpent, is used in the medical field today. Then they sent 12 spies to scope out the promised land. And all except two said, we can't attack those people because they're too strong for us. They're too big. They will defeat us. We know God promised it to us, but we, he must have been wrong. We can't do that. And as a result of that is why they had to wander the desert for 40 years. But the reality is, Israel and all this, they focused on their circumstances rather than trusting the promises of God. See, they relied too much on Moses and his leadership rather than living in obedience. And their focus was on man rather than on God. 
let's be honest, don't we struggle with the same thing? Don't we struggle with focusing on our circumstances rather than focusing on relying on God? See, as a country, we like to blame the president and the politicians for the country's current state, right? We say it's their fault of where we're at. But the reality is we voted them in. They got there by majority vote. So if we're not happy with their actions, aren't we to blame as well? Because they're part of the reason why they're there is because of us. But even greater than that, greater hope and security is that the scriptures are clear, that no one is in authority or leadership without God allowing it. So can't we just trust his, his sovereignty and his control? No matter what's going on around us in our world, in our country, uh, God still is on the throne. God is still in control. But let's bring it a little closer home. For those of us who are married, how easy is it to focus on the circumstances of our marriage and even focus on the faults of our spouse rather than trusting God? So how easy is it to look at them and say, hey, you used to make me happy, uh, but you're not doing a good job at that anymore. See, the divorce rate in in the church is no different than outside the church. It's alarming. It's terrible. And why is that? Because just like anybody else, we focus too much on our own circumstances, our own desires, rather than honoring the covenant and commitment we made to our spouse and God to love them and sacrificially serve them. See, today, just as much as Israel struggles, we'll focus on circumstances rather than resting in the sovereignty of God and the truth of the gospel. And here's the hard reality. When we read through the Old Testament, we like to want to say that we align ourselves with the heroes of the Bible, right? But we're not. We're Israel. We're the same people who complain and whine. We're the same people who turn our backs on God and and try to do things on our own strength, on our own abilities, rather than running to God first. And 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 it's a hard self-dose of reality for us. But we're Israel. But aren't we glad that God is faithful? Even when we're not faithful, He remains faithful. And so we need to follow after God. And following God requires strength and courage. Strength and courage beyond our own physical, mental, and emotional limits. So let me explain it this way. Uh, this is going to be hard for you guys to believe, but in high school, I was a little guy. And um, so I know it's a little shocking uh, the way I look now. But um, I, uh, I wrestled uh, varsity, um, wrestling varsity. So it was uh, awesome as a freshman. And so I was pretty proud as a freshman in high school. I got two varsity letters, and I was very proud of it. And so in, in my wrestling career, um, about a couple months into the season, uh, we got to go to our first local tournament with the districts and uh, the local schools there. And I was so excited to be able to go to this tournament, um, especially because my record to the, up to then was undefeated. Um, so I'm going to this tournament completely undefeated in my wrestling class. And um, so I go to this tournament, and my record is so good that I actually got bypassed the first few rounds all the way to wrestling for third place. So if I won that wrestling match, I would have guaranteed to have third place, but I would have gone on to wrestle for first place. But here's the reality. That wrestling tournament was the first time I actually wrestled anybody. Because up to that point, I wrestled the featherweight, which is a very low weight class. And I was even like a couple, you know, probably about 10, 20 pounds under the featherweight uh, as a freshman in high school. And when you go to other high schools and, you know, against them, they don't always have small guys like me, okay? They weren't as blessed as, as our school was. And, uh, and so what would happen? I would walk out onto the mat. The referee would raise my hand and say, winner! I was like, good, glad I could compete. And I'd walk off. So 
I literally had like an 8-0 record. Like it was, everyone was like, oh my gosh, this guy has to be amazing. And so I go to this first wrestling match, and I'm, I'm so pumped because I'm like undefeated. That's me. Uh, I didn't have to wrestle the first few rounds to come here. I got whooped. Oh my gosh, that kid killed me. Um, and, and then I wrestled again, and he beat me even worse. I will say the guy I first wrestled won first place in that tournament, so has to say something. Um, but the reality is, in wrestling, I wasn't very good. I loved it, but I wasn't good at it. I had too much confidence in my own strength and abilities. I believed the undefeated record. Like, I believed I'm like, that's true of me. But it wasn't at all. But we struggle the same thing, don't we, with our walk with God? Don't we struggle with trusting in things that may not be true about us? Oh, my relationship with God is so good. I haven't gone to church in three years, but me and God are tight. Man, me and God have a great relationship. Um, I don't know where my Bible's at the moment, but I, I love his word. So we trust our strength and our own confidence. And the reality is, we probably can get along, away with it for a while. But anybody who's walked with Christ long enough knows the more you rely on yourself, eventually you're going to fall. And you're going to fall hard because God's going to remind you that he's God and you're not. And so as we look at the scriptures this morning, we find three distinct promises that God gave to Joshua. And these promises as followers of Christ, we have inherited them as well. So the first promise that we see is that Joshua had the promise in God's stated purpose. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. See, God announces his purpose was that he was going to give the, land, the promised land to Israel. Something they have heard about probably their entire life. And it was finally coming true. And Joshua knew this. But the church has a promise as well. The church has a promise in God's state of purpose too. And God's purpose for us is made, has been made clear. We're to live in a manner to glorify God by following the two greats that we see in Scripture. First is the great commandment. And he said to them, you shall love your God, Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the entire law that God gave to Moses to declare to Israel depends upon these two things. Love God and then love others. And what Pastor Chad reminded us a few weeks ago is that the great commands lead us to the great commission. The great commission says in Matthew 28, starting verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you always till the end of the age. He said the exact same thing to Joshua in our text. I will be with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we have the exact same promise from God in the purpose of living out the greats. Love God, love others. And we love God the most when we share the love of Christ with others. That is what we're called to do as Christians. The second promise that we see with Joshua is that Joshua had the promise of God's presence. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. See, God had committed himself to be with his servant and to take on himself the burden of success. 
See, the success of Joshua's ministry wasn't based upon his leadership. It was based upon God. How freeing is that? But we have the same promise as well. Our success in life is not based upon us and what we do, but it's based upon what God is doing through us. See, the church has the promise of God's presence. Romans 8, 38, one of my favorite passages. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What, sep- what can separate us from the love of God? Short answer, nothing. Nothing in this world or even sp- spiritual realms. Nothing is able to separate us from God's love. How amazing is that? That we don't have to be defined about what we are good at or what we're bad at. I'm not defined as being a bad wrestler. I was a bad wrestler. Still am, probably. But that doesn't want to define me. What defines me is that God's love for me. And what defines me is who God says I am. And as the song that we sang earlier, we're a child of God. That's who we say I am. And so our success is not defined by what we do by God's love for us. That their promise that we see with Joshua is that Joshua had the promise of God's faithfulness. Verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. See, God, again, had committed himself to this cause, and he would not let his promise fail. For generations and generations, all the way back to Abraham, God had Abraham walk in this land, and he says, everything you see is going to be yours one day. Now, you're not going to be alive to experience, but your generations below you will. He's talking to a fatherless man at the time. Abraham had no children. He said, you're going to be a great nation one day, and you will inherit this land because this is my word, and I stand by my word. When God makes a promise, he sticks to it. And we see this coming to fruition in our text today, that the Israelites are entering into the promised land, the same land that was promised to Abraham. And the church has the same promise from God. The church has the promise of God's faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2.13 reminds us, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And let's be honest, that if is probably should be better when. It's implied we're going to be faithless at times. We're going to struggle with our faith in God. We're going to struggle in the faith of what he's calling us to do and to be obedient to him. But even through our weaknesses, God remains faithful. Because he can't deny, deny himself. It's the very nature of who he is, is to be faithful. Psalm 119.90 tells us, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. See, God has been, still is, and forever will be faithful. And in all these promises that Joshua received and what we have as well as a church, these promises are intended to free us to follow the Lord. See, knowing that each of us was created for a purpose, we can live in that. And with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we are literally walking in the very presence of the Lord. And even though ourselves and others will let us down, God continues to remain faithful. But let me, let's just be transparent for a moment. These promises preach well, right? They sound really good from the pulpit. They they come straight out of Scripture, but believing them is not as easy. 
And if I'm completely honest with you myself, I struggle to believe these promises of God. I struggle to think that God may have a purpose for me. And he feels distant. I feel like they're faithful to others, but not to me. And I know I'm not alone. I know others who struggle and they question their purpose. And they feel alone and absent from God like he's nowhere near. And they're all by ourselves. And when our circumstances seem to be too much to bear, we question how faithful God really is to us. But the truth remains that these promises of God are true. And we can stand firm in the knowledge of them. And that's what allows us to be able to be strong and courageous beyond our own strength and our own courage. See, the remaining verses in our text this morning gives us practical ways to hold fast to the promises of God and to be strong and courageous. Picking up Joshua 1, 7. Only be strong and very courageous. You see that? Be strong and very courageous. It's the only time he says very courageous because he wants you to focus in on this. This is the important part where I want you to lean into. This is what you're going to do to accomplish this. Being careful to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For, when, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So did you catch the main point of this passage here? See, we're to be the people of the word. See, last night my wife uh, was listening to this, this women's conference, and, and there was this woman preaching, and uh, she was preaching from Genesis. And she pointed out, have you noticed that what is repeatedly said is that God spoke into, and then God said, this is good. And then eventually when he created us, very good. See, by the very words of God, he spoke life into existence. By the very words of God, he spoke the air in mankind's lungs. He formed everything that we see. And today we still have the very living word of God before us. See, our Bible is the Word of God. And it can, too, speak life into us when we feel lifeless. It, too, can speak life and hope to us when we question our purpose. We don't know if God is near us or if we don't know if God's going to be faithful to us. So the practical ways that we hear in our text is, first, don't turn from it. Believe the Scriptures to be true without a doubt. Every single word, everything you're reading here is true. And if we believe this to be truth, this is the foundation of what we base our life upon. When bad times hit, because they're going to hit, you don't run to the latest self-help book. You run first scripture and say, what would God have me do in this? What, would he prom- what does he promise me in this? Secondly, it says, you shall not depart from your mouth. See, God wants us to speak the scriptures to ourselves and to others. He wants us to be reminded of his truth and of his love for us. Because that's exactly what this is. It reminds us constantly that God is for us and not against us. That God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, even though we don't deserve it. He willingly gave his son up for us. Why? Because of the love he has for us. See, when people encourage me with scripture, I'm not only reminded of their, their support and their care and concern for me, but I'm pointing back to God's word. 
See, we're pointing back to God's reminding of his truth and his love for us. And so we need to speak the word of God to others and to ourselves. It says we need to meditate on it day and night. It's very short and simple. If you want to be a person of the word, you've got to be in the word. You can't be a person of the word and, and, and not have a regular habit of reading it and studying it or memorizing it. And we memorize it because we're not always going to have a Bible around us. Yes, we may have a Bible app on our phone or device. But when we have scriptures in our minds, we can repeat them to ourselves. We can be reminded of God's assurance and his love for us. So we have to have daily habits of spending time in God's word. And then we have to be careful to be not just hearers, but doers. So I was thinking about this, and like, it's like reading a cookbook. And you're reading this cookbook about baking this cake. And you can read that cookbook every day long, every day, all day long, and just read it over and over and over again. But you don't really see the results until you actually bake the cake, right? Same things with God's word. You have to do what it says in it. You actually have to follow what he's calling us to do, to be obedient in that. And that's when we will see the results in our life. That's when we will see the results of God working through, in us and through us, is that we have to be doers, not just hearers. In closing, he, in verse 9, we see our hope. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Christian, the Lord is for you. And if he is for us, who can be against us? So lean into the truth of God's word and the gospel. And you will be strong and courageous. At the close of the book, Joshua charges the people to remain faithful to God and to obey his commands. And then people agree to do so. As for me and my house, said Joshua, we will serve the Lord. Let us challenged, encouraged, and convicted by God's word. And then we too can declare the same thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your promises. Oh, Lord, I'm so grateful for the fact that your word is true. That, Father, when I doubt myself, I doubt your presence and your love for me, I don't have to doubt you. So, God, I just thank you for giving these to us. Father, I pray that you help us to lean into them now. Father, allow us to, to, to trust in them and go back to your word on a regular basis. Father, if you're working on our hearts right now, oh, Father, I pray that we won't run away from what you're doing and what you're calling us to do. And Father, if there's people here today who don't know you, Father, I pray that you'll draw them to yourself at this moment. Father, allow them to feel your love and your presence far greater than they ever can imagine. And Father, help them to recognize their need for a Lord and Savior. God, we thank you for all your good things that you give us. We ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.